This, this, this is you. K-U-T. K-U-T, Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my Hello, and welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. Good to see you back on campus. Well, it's wonderful to be back. I had a great drive up here. The weather was nice. I have to say, traffic... You know, Austin Interstate you. 35 runs from it's Austin, awful. Texas, yeah. up to Georgetown, Texas. Normally, it's bad, but I just zipped on up here. Did you really? And now I have jinxed it forever. For those listeners who are listening, you know, beyond the the uh, central corridor of, of uh, Texas, there's this highway, um, IH35 is the official name, and it's an important corridor that, that trucks and so forth use. And over the years, I mean, when I was a kid as a graduate student, it was just a sleepy, nice little highway that was oh, wonderful. Oh, no. It was wonderful. And now I'm sounding so old, but now, I mean, it is awful. And and one little accident and the whole thing, it's like a clogged artery and you get a stroke. You know, it's funny that the concept of sort of traffic and traffic jams awful. just popped out because awful. I think that's a source of real frustration and struggle for a lot of people, certainly in the Austin area and many other cities around the country. And, sure. you know, I'm always trying to think about it. Yeah, but is there something I can get out of that? Is there some way I can make that experience not so awful. Is there some element of education or learning I can take from that struggle, if you will? I see. And I kind of wondered if that's something we could talk about, what we can learn from struggles, from frustrations, from Ah. hard times. We can talk about certainly the academic setting, you know, when students or teachers or staff or anybody encounters, you know, I think a struggle, our inclination is always, how do we sort of get past it? How do we get around it? How do we avoid it as opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm going to plunge through this, but I'm going to try to, I guess, make mm. the most of it or get something yeah. out of it. Yeah. And actually, in a previous episode, you were referencing James McGregor Burns, who a friend and, and former colleague of yours, yep. who talked with you about leadership a lot. Yep. And yep. you said one of his hallmarks about leadership is embracing the conflict rather than avoiding it. And right. I thought, you know, I think that's probably applicable for a whole discussion by itself. That's true. And and as I pointed out in that episode, I mean, I'm not, I'm not particularly strong on that because I, you know, I just, I don't like the idea of conflict, but yeah, I mean, the idea of struggle, which is one thing. And then the idea of frustration, which is another, it's interesting that especially within an intellectual context. So let's Put the traffic aside, although I'm happy to discuss the traffic well, thing too. Let's but not. but okay. let's discuss okay. intellectual pursuits. But the, on instead. the intellectual side, um, we do have frustration and we do struggle with things as we're trying to make meaning and have a deeper understanding of whatever it is that we're thinking about. The truth is, we look upon those things and those emotions as negative, right? You struggle, and, and as you were saying yourself, right, that people are saying, oh, they want to avoid it and they want to get past it and so forth. Imagine a mindset where the idea of struggle generates a positive emotion. 
the the feeling of frustration generates something that helps you move forward. I mean, imagine a world inside one's mind where those feelings are feelings that enhance our learning and drive us to go further and inspire us to reach new levels rather than squelch our interest or enthusiasm and put out that fire. And I think the truth is, it's a very mindful proposition that I'm offering, which is to say, what if we looked upon those emotions and tried to um, use them as empowering tools to continue the struggle and to to move beyond the frustration by using the frustration as a catapult to to push us and throw us into into a new a new place. So I'm thinking back to the times during my formal education period where I encountered real struggles in particular subjects or particular classes, whatever right. the case may be. Sure. And, yeah, what was one? All right. Well, in college, yep. the second semester of my freshman year. So I took calculus first semester freshman <laughs> no. year, and I think I got a C or a C plus. All right. And I was still very much in the mindset in my freshman year of colleges, I had to take classes that looked a lot like high school. So I thought, sure. well, I guess I'll take more math. Right. So I took probability and statistics. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the only final exam I failed in college. I did pass the course. <laughs> I failed the final exam, and it was very difficult for me. Right. That class was very difficult. But what came to mind in our discussion, thinking about moments of struggle, is I immediately went to, I have to fix, and I'm fixing quotes, the struggle because I'm going to get a bad grade if I can't figure this out. Right. So there was always some external reason why I thought I needed to do something about this in this sort of urgent way. Right. You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to get a good grade. I'm not going to pass the class, whatever, whatever. So I didn't feel like I could be sort of mindful and sit with it and just plow through it because there was always some reason why I I had to do something about it. Right. You know, it's funny, you know, that now that you're going down memory lane, it got me thinking about my undergraduate education. I had a an interesting experience. So the the biggest struggle I had, which I think actually was a positive thing, and I didn't even I don't think I realized it until maybe just now. I I loved philosophy as a kid. Uh, I discovered it a little bit late in my college career. I think I was uh, into my the beginning of my junior year, so the second half, and I felt and I took a philosophy class every single semester after that that point on, and uh, one of the more advanced classes I took later in my um, undergraduate career was a course called Human Life and History, and uh, taught by one of my favorite professors of all time, a philosophy professor who's no longer alive, and he was mean, he was ornery. Uh, and he was funny, and I adored him, although I think he had no idea who we, who I was, or if he did, he wouldn't let on. Like, he, he, he was playing mind games with you. It was, it was a whole – we could do a whole episode on this guy. Very interesting. But he would frustrate everyone in the class, and I, I remember two quick episodes. One was that I had a, a good friend of mine, uh, Eleonora was her name, in fact. In fact, I think she's a lawyer now. Uh, she was a year younger than I was, but she was interested in philosophy, and she was in this class. And we had to write a 10-page paper on something or another. It was a midterm or something. And and she was so frustrated because she couldn't get her brilliant ideas down to 10 typed pages. It had to be 20. And she tried and tried and tried, and she refused. So she ended up writing a paper where she pa- numbered the pages 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. <laughs> Only a philosopher would do this, right? And it was a 20-page paper. And, and my guess is that this guy didn't even bother to read them because he was that kind of a – you know, he was just a total 
whatever, but amazing professor. And, and I remember struggling in that class because I was not getting the kind of grades that I've grown accustomed to in my math classes and my economics classes and the other classes I took in the natural sciences and the social sciences. And here I was in philosophy. And I was very frustrated that I would get a low grade. I was very concerned about grades. That's how stupid I was. Well, but not not unusual for that. Not stage unusual, of the game. but still stupid. So for those of us who are those listeners who are are of that ripe age, just remember it's stupid and move on. And and I remember I was working on this final paper for this course, and it was the last philosophy class of my undergraduate career. And I went into his office, and at one point I just said – I was in kind of an exasperated state. I said, look, what do you want for this paper? And he looked at me as if I was a complete idiot and said, you know, you're missing the point. It's not what I want. It's what do you want for this paper? And I left that office, and I thought it was another mind game, and I was really frustrated, and I was really struggling. And I went back, and I said, well, what if instead of trying to be a goody-goody two-shoes – and try to write a paper that this professor who I admire and respect would give me an A. What if I just wrote the paper I wanted to write? And that was the first time, this might sound ridiculous, but in the second semester senior year in college, it was the first time that I gave myself that freedom, that space to say, I'm going to write what I want to write and how I want to write it. And I wrote a paper, which I still have somewhere, and, and I got an A on it. And he said, you finally got it. You know, you finally figured it out. And it's about, you know, and, and, and it so was. So that struggle was oh, very educational. It was maybe the, the, one of the highlights of my undergraduate experience. I mean, and what a great way to leave, right? I mean, then I graduated the, the two days later, right? Or whatever, a week later. It was, it was a great crowning moment uh, on an intellectual journey. And by the way, it helped me find my voice in all the writing I've done since then, mostly in mathematics, but I've also written things that are not mathematical in nature. And and I feel much more comfortable in expressing things the way I want to express them. He taught me how to more be myself. And what a great gift that is. All right. So I'm ready for a struggle right here and right now. It's puzzler time. Well, as as our loyal listeners will remember, uh, I've got a list of these fun puzzles from my mother. Oh, is this another one from your mom? <laughs> Why oh, not? Great. Okay, I mean, let's do it. This is an easy way of not struggling thinking of a new puzzle. I'll just let's use my it. mom's. We'll have to give her, you know, co-producer credit. <laughs> she would love that. She okay. would love that. Okay, here we go. So this is coming right from my mother. She saw this somewhere. In a hot air balloon off the coast of Ireland, a Ben dropped two bottles of soda over the side, one empty and one full. And the question is, which one smashed to the ground first? I got it, I think. Do you really have it? Can you read it? Read the the first part again. No. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to pull the piece of paper out of your hands or I will just wait for next week's episode. When you but if you refreshed. think you've got it, then why don't you just? I've got plenty of them here. I can right, just put so another one. So if you got it I immediately, I believe that you said the hot air balloon was over the ocean. I and I, I said that the hot air balloon off the coast of Ireland. Okay, off the coast, so it's on the water. So neither one is going to hit the ground. That is correct. So. <laughs> <laughs> Smarty pants. Oh, good for you. Well, I love the fact that you were listening really carefully. Right, that's making meaning. So, all right. Well, now that, I have to cross that one off. Now, hold on. So. That one's out of commission. Okay. (laughs) 
Do you have more? Does I've, your mom I've, have more? I've got a, she's got a million of them here. Okay. Let me just take a look here. And I want to see how do I want to do this now? All right. Okay. Now I'm going to go to one that it's going to be hard. Uh-oh. Yeah. All right. See, I, I try to throw you a, you know, An throw you a bone. I got, all right. No. Let's, let's try the tougher one. All right. I need you to rearrange the letters of new door. So new door. I okay. want you to rearrange those letters to make one word. Okay. And you're not allowed to leave out any letters. Okay. And you're uh, not allowed to put extra letters in. Okay. So N-E-W-D-O-O-R. Correct. Okay. There you go. Now that'll teach you for being so smart and getting the other puzzle. Okay. I'm not going to get this one right away. No, you I'll will not. I'll work on that one. No, you I'll will not. I'll work on that one until next week. In fact, if any listener gets this between now and the episode where the answer is revealed, I urge them to even reach out to me. But you can't cheat. I mean, I'm sure – I mean, everything's available on, on the internet, right? So this you have to do on your own. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't cheat about that one. But yeah, about that one. if you want to send me your solution, I would love to be able to acknowledge it. Yeah. So as we wrap up this episode, Ed, it was interesting to listen to you and, and have me also recount our stories of struggles as an undergraduate, because I think there's a difference between extracting lessons from those experiences. And we both describe them as, especially me, sort of not as bad as we thought or not as bad as they could have been, or we learned something. And I want to kind of up the ante a little. Can these actually be joyful experiences, these struggles? Or is the best we can hope for sort of uh, <laughs> harm reduction, if you will? <laughs> right, exactly. Mit- mitigating damage. Yeah. Uh, I think that if we intentionally acknowledge and then try to make those moments of frustration or struggle uh, joyful, we can. I think in both of the scenarios that we shared, we might have – well. I ended, I think, in a joyful state. I'm not so sure about you. You you, you passed the exam even though you failed. I mean, you, you passed the course even though you failed the final. So I don't know if you're joyful or not. But, but you know, so – but I think that if we were to, with intentionality, practice a different mindset and a different emotional set, then en route during the process of frustration and struggle – we can see that as a joyful thing if we say we're making progress and if we force ourselves to use that creative energy to move us forward. And, and you know, and, and in both cases, we came out, you know, okay, I'd say that in my case, I really did find it a very joyful experience. But to be fair, as I was struggling, it was not joyful at that time. It was very frustrating in a bad way. Um, but I hadn't had that epiphany of, hey, how do I – harness that energy in a way that will make me even better and allow my work to shine. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News. 